Uh, Book of Isaiah. Today we're starting in chapter 61. And this is probably, if you're familiar with uh, the Gospels, this is probably a familiar passage to you because Jesus teaches this. You can find it in Luke 4 when he um, shows up in Nazareth and basically introduces himself. He goes into the synagogue and starts reading uh, from the book of Isaiah, from the scroll of Isaiah. And he tells the people there in his hometown that this is fulfilled in their presence. Basically, he announces this this word from Isaiah was speaking about me. And then, of course, they did not like that. And uh, and that's kind of how he got got rolling in his ministry. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness. So it's important to see how, you know, God works. And, and we see that the, the Lord coming near and him offering freedom from the chains that Satan has put on fallen man. And from, you know, when we're under the chains of Satan, when we're living according to the ways of the world, it leads to all kinds of brokenheartedness. It leads to us being his prisoners. And he's saying, I am coming to give you freedom and I will bring vengeance against those who are against my way. But those who are mourning about the difficulties of the Lord and will look up, I mean the difficulties of the world, and will look up from these ways and come to me, I will grant you uh, comfort. Uh, garland instead of ashes, gladness instead of mourning, when you come up my holy mountain Zion, uh, a mantle of praise instead of fainting, uh, you will be oaks of righteousness, meaning you'll be planted and strong and flourishing in righteousness and glorified. You will be glorified because you will be mine and I will put my ways and my very being into you. But you will rebuild the ancient ruins, the ways the ways of God that have long been established but have been turned away from by man. He talks about strangers and foreigners. He will bring disparate people together to form his his people. Uh, so it won't necessarily look like you expect it to look. But you will be called the priests of the Lord. You will be spoken of as ministers of our God. So he's saying, my way, when you come up my way, I will make you my priest, my minister of who I am in the world, so that all creation can know who I am and what I'm about. You will eat the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. I will provide for you in every way. Instead of your shame, you will have a double portion. And instead of humiliation, they will shout for joy over their portion. To come this way, you have to go through difficulties. And, and so you're coming out of the ways of the world. So you're, But he will take you through it. You'll come out of shame, out of humiliation, into joy and a double portion. Therefore, they will possess a double portion in their land. Everlasting joy will be theirs. 
For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery in the burnt offering, and I will faithfully give them their recompense and make an everlasting covenant with them. Then their offspring will be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the people. So he's talking about forming a new people that were unknown. Then their offspring will be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the people. All who see them will recognize them. So he's talking about building a people and that so that the people of God multiplies instead of what's traditionally happened throughout the people of God throughout the millennia. I mean, this is just, it's in the Bible and you see it happen in, in recent times is you have people that become fervent about God and they become, they begin to know the Lord and they go in his ways. But then as new generations come, they get stuck in religion and the way of God is kind of lost. And then a, a new person here or there has to come up. But now he's talking about bringing a kingdom that never ends. Where the way of God, people actually leave the culture of man. And instead of being a one-off mighty man of God, it becomes a people of God who have an entirely different culture than the world around them. And they take on this life of God, the wisdom and love of God. And it is you know, it grows amongst the people. And so the children are brought up that way. New people that come in this way die to their old way of life and come into a completely new way of life. And then their children come in and, and, and this is growing, ever expanding uh, kingdom. And so this grows and, and then they can go on and then maybe they go to a new place and this starts to develop and multiply there. Because they are the offspring whom the Lord has blessed, I will great I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God. This this beautiful reality of the Lord spreading. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes the things sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. So this is the reality of the kingdom of God spreading throughout the world. And this will eventually come into a time of a thousand year reign where Satan will be locked up. I don't know the timing of those things. But uh, you see, there has to be a spreading of the reality of God, which is a completely new way of life. It's not a religion. It's a reality, a culture of God. And then we're on to chapter 62. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep quiet until her righteousness goes forth like brightness and her salvation like a torch that is burning the nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory and you will be called by a new name. So here you see this reality spreading, this kingdom spreading. And he says you'll be called by a new name. You're going to be something completely different than you were when you are in the world. You're going to have a new name, a new living way, a new reality, which the mouth of the Lord will designate. This is his kingdom. This is Zion. You will also be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of, of your God. So God wants a people that represents him to the world, priests and kings, who are his family in the world. Just as he designated Adam and Eve to be, but they broke away from him, he still plans on bringing that reality about. And so we see this picture here. 
And he knows, you know, it's different from Adam and Eve because they started in perfection and went away from it. We have, we start in filth. We start in a broken world and we have to come out of it. So four says, it will no longer be said of you forsaken for nor to your land will it any longer be said desolate, but you will be called my delight is in her and your land married, for the Lord delights in you. And to him your land will be married, for a young man marries a virgin, so your sons will marry you. So you're coming out of this desolate, forsaken life and place and lifestyle and culture, and you're coming into a place of peace and joy and being married to the Lord, being united to the Lord. This, When we see this, uh, your sons will marry you, we talked about that in, in uh, Revelation 12, how the, the sun company is uh, removed from the woman and then comes back together where the, the sons help the, the woman come out of the desolate wilderness place and into, um, into the fullness that God had intended. So there's, there's this married unity. Jesus talks about this unity of God and man in you know, roughly John 14 through 17, um, when he's, he's giving this, uh, you know, last supper conversation with his disciples, he talks again and again about how I'm unified with the father, the father's in me and I am in you father's in you and I am in you. This unity where each, the, each one is specifically different. People make the mistake of thinking that he's saying he is the father. He's not the father. He's completely unified with the Father. And we are called to be completely unified with the Father and with Jesus so that He is in us and we are in Him so that we have unique individualness, but we are so unified, so obedient to Him and His ways that His ways flow in us, through us, and out of us. And so we are like a you know, like a crown of many, of many jewels. And so that each jewel sparkles in its own way, but it makes up a beautiful crown or, or the stones of a temple where each one has its special place. And it's important to the, to the reality of the building, but each, you know, they come together to form something bigger. This is the unity of his people. And this is what he's doing with mankind in the world. And so that's this unity, this marriage, that's what this represents. It's Christ and his bride. So your God will rejoice over you. On your walls of Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen all day and all night. They will never keep silent. You who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. So he will not rest. He is bringing this reality about. The Lord has sworn by his right hand and by his strong arm, I will never again give your grain as food for your enemies, nor will foreigners drink your new wine for which you have labored. But those who garner it will eat it and praise the Lord, and those who gather it will drink it in the courts of my sanctuary. So he's saying, I, I, I'm bringing you into a new place. Once you've given up everything, you've completely died to your old life, your old ways, you've left the world and come into my world, my kingdom, my living way, I will take care of all your needs. You'll, you'll never, you know, you'll never again have those things. And, and, you know, this can, 
look different ways as far as there will be a time when there's, you know, like I said, Satan's locked up and there's just zero uh, difficulties. Um, before that happens, though, th- there is a way we, we more and more come into his Garden of Eden, his, this, this way he's talking about where there's still difficulties, but we're so in the Lord that he takes care of every difficulty. And so every difficulty just becomes a way of growth for us, a means to a higher place in the Lord. And it teaches us how to grow and become stronger so that we're more capable for him as we see him do mighty works on our behalf. And then he talks about the process of coming into this. And it's, you know, it's symbolic, but go through, go through the gates, clear the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, remove the stones, lift up a standard over the peoples. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth, say to the daughter of Zion, lo, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. And they will call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you will be called sought out, a city not forsaken. So you can see this city exists in a fallen world. Because who are those calling? It, it's a reality, a way of God that starts It starts out small, but it's going to be growing, ever, ever expanding. And, you know, he says, open the gates, build a highway, clear the way for the people so that people can stream into this. It's why we see all the, the judgment and difficulty in the world is so that the way can be obvious to people. There's a way of darkness and a way of light. Choose the way of light. Um, he's inviting us into this reality. Hallelujah. And then we're on to 63. So the beginning of 63 talks about the the vengeance, the judgments against the, the nations, the, the people that stand in the way of the glory of God advancing in the world and in his people. And he talks about coming down in anger and wrath upon the world. And again, we see that. So we, you know, you've heard me talk about the, the, uh, the spirits of darkness that were, were in the second heaven have been thrown down to the third heaven. And so they're causing all sorts of chaos in the world. And so you can put all the blame on them, but ultimately everything is in the hands of the Lord and he's responsible for everything. And so in the end, all they are is our tools for the Lord. And so that's true in our personal lives as well. When we deal with these things, yes, we can blame those, you know, evil forces at work against us, in us, whatever. Um, And those things have to be removed and we we have to come under perfect uh, subjection of the Lord and break off any agreement that we have with those things in order that they can be removed from us and that we can be completely separated from those things and completely filled with the Lord. Um, but in the end, when we come through that whole process, we realize really it, it was all by the hand of the Lord because it's helping us grow in the Lord. It was something that helped us learn to grow stronger in Him learn more about the ways of the spiritual kingdom, learn more about the realities of the heavenly life. And so at the end of the day, he is the sovereign Lord and it is his judgment coming down. And, you know, our modern world, we don't like that idea, but it's a very biblical idea. It's a very reality that he is a just God. He has a way, a perfect way for mankind, a perfect Garden of Eden existence and we allowed evil to rule this world, 
and the evil must be stamped out both in us and in the world and so we must leave that way and come back into his way and the cross of Christ is the only way for us to do that and he Christ will overcome in in all of us who give ourselves to this way and in the world at large and it and it comes with the judgment of the Lord on everything that stands in this way so we can like it or not like it but that's the reality and so we have to decide are we like Satan who rebelled against it and has wrath and anger and fighting against it or are we to say you know what our God is good he's a just and righteous God I'm going to give myself to his way even if it doesn't make total sense to me because I think his way is good and I think if it doesn't make sense to me I probably don't understand it and I'm going to seek him for his way and then what happens we begin to understand whoa his way is better my way was fallen and corrupt and perverse I love his way now that I'm stepping more and more into it and that's exactly where he goes starting in verse 7 I shall make mention of the loving kindness of the Lord the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord has granted us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he has granted them according to his compassion and according to the abundance of his loving kindness. For he said, surely they are my people, sons who will not deal falsely. So he became their savior. In their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. So he made a people of a people of praise and worship people of goodness who get to enjoy his house and abundance his loving kindness and he says they are my people so he, he's giving it himself unto a people that have chosen him sons who will not deal falsely this is the many sons of god raised up as mature sons in his house after his ways who have his wisdom and love and are continually growing in those things and so he became a savior in their affliction he was afflicted he put himself in Jesus to put God in man to be afflicted by everything man is afflicted with and overcome so that he could overcome so that we could then take in his very nature and we could also overcome by following after Jesus into his way and the angel of his presence saved them in his love and in his mercy he redeemed them and he lifted them and carried them all the days of old but they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned himself to become their enemy. So this is always the way. In the way in the past, people have turned away from his way and rebelled and grieved him. He fought against them. Then his people remember the days of old of Moses. Where is he who brought them up out of the sea with a shepherd of his flock? Where is he who put his Holy Spirit in the midst of them? So this talks about a people remembering that there is an ancient way, a way out of slavery and into promised land. So this is, from, from here to the rest of the chapter, he's, it, this is a, a person, a people calling out, saying, we, we are stuck in this world of judgment, this world of slavery to a terrible master. And we remember you used Moses to lead your people out of uh, of slavery out of difficulty out of trouble even out of even through the wilderness and so lord we want to come where's your zeal your mighty deeds the stirring of your heart 
calling out, where's your Redeemer? A way for us to, to, to come into this promised land. And so the, this, is, this is in that middle of that, that angst, that, that wonder. Like, I see there's difficulty all around, Lord. Where is your way? And this is that kind of passionate seeking, the stirring that must occur in order for someone to realize, wait a minute, my life is, is terrible. The world around me is falling apart. What is going on? I need the Lord. And calling out to the Lord to... Lord, I know you're there. You've 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 worked mightily in the past. Where are you now? So that the stirring has to happen in order for us to actually come out of that way, to be open to being led into a new life, into a new reality. And so this is kind of the stirring of of that that has to happen in each person's life in order to discover a new and living way. And that's a bit of a cliffhanger, but uh, we, I mean, or, you know, we talked about it earlier. So the Isaiah's, uh, Isaiah's uh, writings are kind of like waves where it, it, it doesn't start. It's not a pretty picture that starts with a problem and ends with a solution. It's, it's waves of different realities of God. And so I just, since I realized there's six chapters left, I'm going to do three today, three tomorrow. And we kind of end at a trough of a wave, <laughs> but that's okay. Because, uh, you know, just earlier in this, this same recording, we talked about what it looks like when he brings us out of these difficult places. And and we can look to 15 and then 14 just to see, you know, where we're going. The Lord looks down from heaven and he sees from his glory, his holy and glorious habitation with zeal. And 14, the spirit of the Lord gives the people rest who choose him and he chooses so you he leads his people to make for himself a glorious name and this is what he's doing this is the scripture promises front to back that he will accomplish this thing and he's moving we're so blessed to live in this day you can look at the world seemingly falling apart around us and think what a terrible day to live well, you can realize this. it always is like this. The glory of the Lord happens at the same time that judgment happens. And he says, I'm bringing an end to this old system. And I'm bringing a glorious new way so that it's obvious. And people can choose my way. But it's obvious in the fact that the difference is stark. Not so obvious if, if you're stuck concentrating on the world. You have to turn away from the world and turn towards the Lord. And then a gateway is open and you go through the gate and then a highway is open and there is a way into this glorious life, this freedom, this living way. And that's it for the day. God bless you.